God has made a promise. He's made a divine decree that anything and everything that touches your life is going to work together for your good. And what the enemy means to destroy you, God is going to work it for your good. And he wants you to remember that. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. God doesn't condemn His children. He chastens us for our profit. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you so much for joining us today. We're continuing our series, The Race, with a message on the chastening of God. You know, it took me a number of years in my walk with God to distinguish between Satan's condemnation and God's conviction, between the enemy's accusations and God's chastening. They are really very different, and one way to discover which one you're dealing with, Satan or God, is in what they produce. Satan's condemnation produces defeat, depression, hopelessness, and even despair. But God's conviction and chastening, on the other hand, produce repentance, restored zeal, and great peace. When Satan condemns us, it's never for our benefit, but is always to steal our peace and render us ineffective as a witness for Jesus. But when God convicts and chastens us, it's always for our good. He wants only to bring to the light those things that will hurt and destroy us if they continue unchecked. In today's message, we're going to see what the Bible says about the chastening of God, why He chastens us, how we're to respond, and what it will produce in the end. I believe this message is going to help you to distinguish between the devil's attacks and God's spirit at work in you. So let's go right to today's message, The Chastening of God. Now, the word chasten here means to discipline, and I want you to understand it, because when we hear the word chasten, I know what you think. You immediately think of the word punish. The Lord punisheth. Those who come to him. That's not what the word means. You know why? Because Jesus took all of our punishment on the cross. Okay? So the word chasten doesn't mean punish. It means to train. It means to discipline. It's used, the word used in the Bible, for the training and education of children. So the word discipline or chastening, no chastening is joyous but grievous. We need to understand that as meaning no training. No discipline is joyous but grievous. It's not no punishment. It's no training is joyous. It's the kind of instruction that trains somebody to reach full maturity. Without the discipline of the Lord, we would never grow up. Without the disciplining of the Lord, we would never reach spiritual adulthood. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a full-grown, full-blown man of God. I want to be mature in the things of God. I don't want to be a child anymore tossed to and fro. I don't want to be unstable as water. I want to be solid like a rock. I want to be like Jesus. And the Bible is telling us here that what gets us that way, what gets us to that place, is the chastening, the discipline, the training of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews is quoting 
Solomon out of Proverbs 3, verse 11. If you look that up, you'll find it. So twice in the Word of God, we're exhorted not to despise. Now, that word despise, we hear that and we go, oh, I hate the discipline of the Lord. That's not what it means. It means take it lightly. He's saying, don't take lightly or flippantly or with a quesarasara attitude when God is trying, seeking, reaching to train us into adulthood. Don't take spiritual growth lightly. Don't despise it. The gist of this exhortation is that if you faint in your trials, it suggests that you have forgotten that God uses even your trials for your good. So this whole set of passages we just read have to do with not fainting, not giving up, not walking away, not becoming discouraged and weary of the Lord's training because the Lord is seeking to get us to a place spiritually, bring us to another level so that we don't go stagnant and our spiritual muscles don't atrophy and we cease in spiritual growth. I've known people that are 70, 80 years old chronologically, but they're still children spiritually. I've also known people who were very young in the things of God, but they grew quickly into a real level of maturity. Now, God sees our church here, and he wants everyone in this church to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. He wants us growing spiritually. We ought not be today where we were a year ago. We ought to be up another level. We ought to have gone on down the road some. So God speaks to us in both Proverbs and in Hebrews, what one commentator describes as the utmost tenderness as unto his own dear children, saying, my son, my daughter, don't despise, don't take lightly the chastening, the training, the discipline of the Lord. We're to be careful in the circumstances of our life, especially if they're difficult, if they're really testing us. We're to be careful that we do not impute our circumstances to chance or to fate or to some other thing, but we are to see and revere the hand of God working in and through our circumstances. We're to discern the hand of God. And you know, way too often we fail to discern God working in our life. You know what the Bible promises us? That every single day you and I are God's special project. Do you believe that? Every single day God looks down and says, okay, another day to train, to discipline, to grow up my daughter, my son in the faith. He knows you by name, knows your address, knows your thoughts, knows your DNA, knows your genetic code. And he has made up his mind that he's going to raise us up into maturity in Jesus Christ. That's the will of God. It says in the Bible, God is working in you. I want you to say that with me. Would you? God is working in you. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is at work in you. I love that old statement. God is not finished with me yet. No, I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm sure not what I used to be. He has changed me. He's rearranged me. He's taken some things out, put some things in. He has shaked, rattled, and rolled me, but he is working on me. I am his project. Every day. But you know, so often you get in the flesh and you look at things through the eyes of the flesh and you don't see the hand of God 
working through all the trials and difficulties and hard times of your life, we forget that God has decreed, I'm working in you. When Jacob, I was thinking of Jacob when he was fleeing from his brother Esau, who was furious at him for stealing his birthright away from him. The Bible records, listen carefully to this, the Bible says in Genesis 28, 11, Jacob came to a certain place and he stayed there all night long, ran from his home, he's out in the middle of nowhere, and he decides, I've got to stop, I've got to rest, I'm going to have to get some sleep. And do you know that at this point in the Bible, Genesis 28, 11, is the darkest hour of Jacob's life. He has never known a darker hour than this one right here, Genesis 28, 11. It's the darkest midnight of his life. He fled from home for his life, leaving his beloved parents behind, and has stepped into an unknown future. He had no idea what his future held. That night, he laid his head down. Are you ready for this? You talk about hard times. He laid his head down on a rock for a pillow. And fell into a fitful sleep. And the Bible says that when he fell into that fitful sleep with his head on a rock for a pillow, he dreamed of the now famous ladder reaching from earth to heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending on that ladder. It was a God-given, prophetic, powerful dream. He saw into the spiritual realm angels ascending and angels descending on a ladder right where he was. And you know what? The Bible says when he woke up, listen to what he said. When he woke up, Jacob said with trembling lips, surely the Lord is in this place. Now watch. Then he said, but I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. I didn't read it. I didn't see him. I didn't sense him. I didn't discern him. All I could think about was my hard times. But now I know that in the hardest night of my life, the Lord is here and I simply didn't know it. There he was alone, destitute, no certain future. And yet he discovered, surely the Lord is in this place with me. He's in this hard time with me. He's working through this in me and through me. God's will is coming to pass no matter what I'm experiencing. And I didn't discern it. He's saying to himself, wow, he was so mightily with me, but I didn't discern it. I didn't see it. In the worst trial of Jacob's life, the Lord was in that place, working with him, shaping his future character, disciplining him, training him, preparing him for his finest hour. The Bible reveals that God has been leading him every step of the way. He would soon arrive to his uncle Laban's house where he would spend the next 20 years of his life. He didn't know that. He didn't know that God had it and had him. 20 years he would spend in Laban's house. He would meet his future wives, Rachel and Leah. He would sire 12 sons who would be the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel In all of Jacob's troubles, God was weaving the tapestry of his eternal plan, bringing into existence the embryonic Jewish race that would bring forth Messiah one day. In all of Jacob's troubles, the Lord was in that place, but he didn't know it. Now, let me ask you something. Have you stopped to consider the Lord is with you in that trial you're in right now? Have you stopped to think that he's working in it and through it and that he is not hindered by flesh or devil or man? That God has decreed to work in you and through you. He's weaving his plan no matter what man or devils do. 
2 Corinthians 4, 17, I love this. These troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small and won't last very long. This too shall pass. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and forever. Isn't that beautiful? So I was thinking of Jacob and I thought of us and how some of us are laying our heads on the equivalent of a stone pillow at night. The, we lay down and we go to sleep on the stone of doubts and we go to sleep on the stone of difficulties and some of us are lay down in the rough place of confusion and don't know where to turn and what the future holds. But I want you to know that even though you may not sense him all around you, the Lord is in that place with you. He's in that place with you. Now, since the word endure is used three times in the first eight verses of Hebrews 12, clearly these Hebrews were experiencing very difficult times. They were in some hard trials and tribulations because three times the writer says endure, endure, endure. Stay with it. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't throw up your hands. Don't put up the white flag. Don't give in. Don't surrender. Don't give up on God. Three times, endure, endure, endure. He says, I know what you're going through is tough. He said, but let me remind you, you haven't yet spilled blood in your resistance of sin. Not yet. Christians all over the world are, but probably most in here have not spilled blood. So these people were experiencing great trials, but martyrdom had not come to them yet. In their great trial of faith, he says to them, consider Jesus. Look unto Jesus and consider Jesus. Think about Jesus. Meditate on Jesus. Think about the hostility that Jesus endured from sinners. Look at what he went through. Slapped and beat in the face. Beard plucked out. Crown of thorns thrust upon his glorious head. Stripped naked in front of God and man. Whipped within an inch of his life, couldn't carry the cross anymore, had to have somebody carry that cross up Golgotha's hill for him. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus and what he went through. While you haven't yet shed blood in your race of faith, he did. And he's your captain. He's your leader. He's the one out in front saying, come on, I paid the price. I've gone ahead of you. Anything I went through, you can go through as well because I'm going to strengthen you to do it. Consider Jesus. And then he says, let me give you a great big, oh, by the way. By the way, you have forgotten something very important to the success of your race. He said, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons and daughters. My son, my daughter, don't despise, take lightly the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves. He chastens, disciplines, trains. Now, when I used to read that, I used to say, what in the world does chastening have to do with the race of faith and me going through some tough times? What does chastening have to do with it? Well, I'm going to tell you how it fits. Here's how it fits, the chastening, discipline of the Lord. In our race of faith, we're all going to experience and are experiencing right now, most of us here, trials, difficulties, setbacks, persecutions, testings. We're all going through that on some level. Anybody really walking with the Lord wakes up every single day and fights the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
It's an uphill, upstream battle for every true believer each and every day. But God promises in Hebrews to use those trials to accelerate our spiritual growth, to bring us into spiritual maturity. He says, I want you to remember three things. And church, you might want to write these down because I think it's only going to get hotter for Christians in this country. It's going to get hotter. Our culture is changing. I'm not here to preach bad news. I'm going to preach you up. You're going to walk out here full of faith, but I'm going to tell you the truth as well. It's only going to get hotter out there. It's not popular anymore to be a Christian. Most real blood-bought, sold-out children of God are going to pay a price for their faith in one way or another. So he said, I want you to remember three things. In your trials, remember that God is deeply concerned for your welfare. He reminds us in Hebrews that we are his children, his sons, and his daughters. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. Sons. So he brings our relationship with God down to family level. We're not just believers. We're not just adherents to a faith. We are his sons. We are his daughters. We are family. Now, let me give you an illustration. I make it real simple. I deal with the needs and the hurts and the trials of hundreds of people. Hundreds of people comes our way. On any given day of our life, there are typically several in our congregation that Kathy and I are focused on, that we're praying for, that we're contacting, that we're visiting. That's just the call of the pastor. And you know what? Here's the truth. We hurt with them, we weep with them, and we rejoice with them when they get good news. But there's not a day that goes by we're not carrying a number of people in our prayers and in our thoughts. But here's the deal. Let one of my own children suffer, experience pain, have some kind of trouble, and it pulls out of me something that a normal church member is not going to get. You know why? Because they're my children. They're my flesh and blood. So if they hurt, I hurt in a way that no one else can bring on me. And you know what? If I have my child hurting and a church member hurting, I hate to break it to you, I'm running to my child. And I think if I did otherwise, you'd think I was weird. You know what God's saying to us? God is saying, because you are my sons. Listen carefully. Because you are his sons. I'm quoting Galatians 4, 6 to 7. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Can we say that together? I love that. Ready? One, two, three. Abba, Father. Don't you remember saying that for the very first time when the Spirit of God came into your heart, when you got saved and something in you just resonated with God and you knew that you were His child? The Spirit of God bore witness with your spirit that you were now a son or a daughter of God and you said, Father. And He said, Child. Now you are no longer a slave, the Bible says, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. So you know what that tells me? He cares about you and I as his children in a special way. And we're to remember when we're going through a trial, he's not out there flinging more stars into space. He's not just listening to the prayers of Billy Graham or some other Christian superstar. When the least of the least says, Father, help me, he's all there. 
He's reaching down. He'll send angels on your behalf. He'll move heaven and earth to get to you. He will never walk away from you, never fail you, never forsake you. So I hear in this passage, we are to intimately, consummately trust him when we're in a trial. He cares deeply about his children. In fact, he cares so much that he wants us to remember a second thing. He promises to take what the devil meant for evil and turn it for your good. That's a promise. That's a promise. He says, I want you to remember this. When you're suffering, when you're in a trial, when you're having to endure, when you're going through, you feel like you're being threaded through the eye of a needle. How am I going to make it through this? How am I going to get to the other side? Am I ever going to be where I used to be? Am I ever going to get past this? Yes, you are. Because God has made a promise. He's made a divine decree that anything and everything that touches your life is going to work together for your good. And what the enemy means to destroy you, God is going to work it for your good. And he wants you to remember that. He wants you to remember that. Let's say together, I remember that. Are you going to remember it tomorrow morning when you wake up and you say, oh me? It's Monday morning, you get in your car and you're in rush hour traffic going to a job that you can't stand and you wonder where God is? Are you going to remember that God has already said, even though you're in a job you can't stand around people that you can't take, I'm still going to work it together for your good. You know, I think of the words of Jesus as he spoke about false prophets. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. The same can be said about Satan's condemnation and God's conviction. You will know which one you're dealing with by its fruit. If you feel condemned, shamed, hopeless, and defeated, you can know for certain that is not from God. It's Satan's accusations and condemnation. But on the other hand, if you've been convicted, which led to repentance, and now you feel encouraged, joyful, if your soul is at peace with God and your zeal for the Lord has been restored, you can know for certain that that is from God. Distinguishing between the two sources, Satan and God, is a part of growing spiritually. Now, don't go anywhere because we've got some exciting things to share with our Life Talk listeners you're going to want to take advantage of. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of this message, The Chastening of God. Now, here's our announcer. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand, today's broadcast, or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. 
and you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. The Chastening of God is the fifth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Race. You can own a copy of this six-CD set for just $30 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Race, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.